Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. If you would take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to look at a few verses today. We're going to start in verse 6. Paul writes, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Pray with me. Lord God, we come before you. We pray that you might speak to us through your word today. Father, we pray that you might give us understanding, you might give us insight, you might give us wisdom and that we might apply these truths, Father. I pray that you would also get me out of the way. It would just be your word, your spirit that are seen and heard and received, and we pray that you would do that for your glory alone. And it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Well, if you were here on Friday night, we had a special celebration a welcome celebration for David Williams as our Associational Director of Missions for Lincoln County. And Dr. Johnny Hunt joined us, and, and he brought the message. And after the message, I was out in the fellowship hall, and Robert Michelle walked up, and Robert said, well, I was beginning to wonder uh, if he was about to do your sermon. Uh, because I, most of you know, I, I try to prepare my sermons well in advance, and so I had already sent the outline in about wisdom, and so uh, it was already in, and then Johnny Hunt got up uh, here on the stage, and he began to talk about wisdom, and I thought, well, um, some, pe- some people may hear this twice, and uh, in the words of Michelle Mayfield, she said, that means if somebody came at both times, uh, maybe God's really trying to tell them about wisdom, and, and I thought, well, I'm going to be there both times, so... Um, Maybe I need, maybe I need it. And I do, and we all do. We all need wisdom. And whenever you look through the Bible and you look at the concept of wisdom, especially from the Jewish mindset of wisdom, we have to understand so many times when we think of wisdom, we think of wisdom as accumulated knowledge. We think, we say somebody has a lot of wisdom when they know a lot about a particular subject. But whenever we look at the idea of biblical wisdom, it's a little different. It's not an accumulated knowledge. It's not that you took a course or a class. It's, it's not that you have a lot of experience in a particular area. The idea of wisdom is skilled living. More specifically, it is taking God's truth and being able to apply that to your life and live with skill because of what God's word has done in your heart, in your mind, and in your life. And when Paul writes the church at Corinth, he is writing them and he he gives a comparison of earthly wisdom and spiritual wisdom, earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom, human wisdom and God's wisdom. And so I want us to just look through just a few short verses this morning, and I want us to look at that, that contrast of the two and what we can learn from that. And hopefully, prayerfully, we will gain wisdom 
for having gone through this passage and looked at God's Word in this way. So as we're looking at this idea of, of being wise, or as I, I mentioned in the, uh, the title, some people, it comes from a quote I heard one time, it said that some people are wise and some are otherwise. And so we don't want to be otherwise, we want to be wise. So how can we be wise according to God's Word? Well, we need to understand the types of wisdom, we need to understand how they are different. And the first thing that we find in this passage, this, these two short verses I just read this morning, earthly wisdom is temporary, but God's wisdom is eternal. And since God's wisdom is eternal, you can always trust God's wisdom. Always. Back to verse 6. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age. That would be a good place to just stop and think and consider. Aren't we all glad that God's wisdom is not on par with or in agreement with the wisdom of the rulers of this age? Because if that were the case, we are in big trouble for all eternity. But God's wisdom is not like the wisdom of this age. And notice what else Paul writes in verse 6. The rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. That wisdom will leave. That wisdom will one day end. Worldly wisdom, this worldly foolishness, this worldly uh, distortion of God's truth one day will end. It will end with those who are, who are propagating it. It will end with those who are promoting it. It will end with those who say this is the foundation of truth. It will end one day. All this worldly system is destined to pass away. But God's wisdom will remain. Look at verse 7. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, and we'll get to that phrase secret and hidden in just a moment, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. God's wisdom is eternal. God, God's wisdom never fails. God's wisdom goes on and on and on. God's wisdom, if you spend a thousand years in heaven... God's wisdom will not have changed. Your understanding of God's wisdom will have changed from where we are right now to where we will be then if you're a follower of Christ. But God's wisdom won't change. Our comprehension of it will change, but his wisdom won't. It's eternal. It never changes. It's perfect wisdom, unlike our wisdom. And because God's wisdom is eternal, because God's wisdom never changes, because God's wisdom never fails, then we can trust God's wisdom. How do we know about God's wisdom? God's word. That's how we know about God's wisdom. Listen to what Proverbs says about wisdom. This is Proverbs chapter 16, verse 16. How much better to get wisdom than gold? To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. If you put a big pile of gold or silver or other precious metals on one side and then you had wisdom on the other and you were to ask people, which would you, which would you like more of? I remember there was a, a group of students one time I was, I was doing a lesson with, and I asked them that question. And most of the kids in the group said the gold and the silver. And this one kid said, I would pick wisdom. And I said, that's great. I said, why would you pick wisdom? He said, because then I'd be wise enough to know how to get the gold. A little shy of the mark, but I understand where he was coming from. The concept is wisdom is more valuable than anything the world has to offer. 
Wisdom is more important than anything else we put on the priority list. Wisdom is the thing. This is why you'll find in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Get wisdom. Above all, get insight. That is what the writer of Proverbs, Solomon, writes. Well, why, why do we need wisdom? Well, we need wisdom, as we mentioned earlier, in order to be able to live with skill. To navigate life in a way that is skillful. And it's not just about making our way through life. It's not just getting through unscathed. That's not the concept. In fact, if you exercise godly wisdom, the world and its worldly wisdom is going to combat that. The world that we face on a daily basis does not like godly wisdom. The world that we encounter on a daily basis hates the wisdom of God. So we're not going to get through unscathed. In fact, we are going to have some attacks that are leveled against us because we live by godly wisdom. But just because a worldly attack comes at us does not mean, well, I'm on the wrong track. Well, I shouldn't be doing that. No. If it's God's wisdom, then we proceed. If it's God's wisdom, we persevere. If it's God's wisdom, we keep moving forward regardless because it's right. Because it's right. And ultimately, it's going to be for our glory. Ultimately, it's going to be for the good. That's what Paul writes back in verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 2, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. We can depend upon wisdom, his wisdom. We can depend upon his wisdom because it's dependent upon his word. Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Heaven and earth will be rolled back will be remade will be redone but not his word there'll be a new creation new heavens and a new earth that are created you don't find a new word god's word is established god's word remains god doesn't say oh yeah and here's some things i'm going to add to my word here's some corrections i need to make of my no none of that his word is perfect his word is dependable and the wisdom that we find in his word is perfect proverbs chapter 14 verse 12 there is a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way of death earthly wisdom is not only temporary earthly wisdom will lead us to spiritual and physical death only god's word can give us life and that eternal there's a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way of death earthly wisdom is temporary god's wisdom is eternal so we can trust it always always and it gives us life Uh, listen to this this is in proverbs 24 verse 13 my son eat honey for it is good and the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste now i'm going to get to the rest of that i'm going to verse 14 but let me just say this i i I remember one one guy told me one time he said the commands in the bible eat honey that's why i understand that it's more of a That's not a hard and fast biblical principle like this is what you have to eat. But I will say this. If there is honey present, I I will make a confession here. I I, I turn into basically Winnie the Pooh. I mean, if there is honey, I'm on it. I I do. I do love honey. And um, I remember my brother. My brother has bees. Uh, He he has some uh, beehives. And I remember um, one time I was up visiting him, and I remember he said, I want to show you something, and you'll probably never see this again. 
And I thought we were going, he said, it's related to honey. And of course I got excited because it's honey related. And so I thought we were going to go out to his, to his beehives. And instead he reached up in a cabinet and he pulled down this, this little pint jar, not what you think, he pulled down a little pint jar. And, um, it was so dark. And he said that he and a friend of his had had seen they were they were cutting down some trees a neighbor was and the neighbor said there are some bees in this particular tree and and uh i i don't i don't know what to do about it so cody and his friend went out and he said we got a flashlight and we looked down the hollow of this tree and we decided we were going to pull out some of this honey and these honey this honeycomb and he said there is no telling how long this honey has been in that tree and honey is one of those foods that it never goes bad. It never spoils. It crystallizes, but it never goes bad. Uh, in fact, there's been honey that's been found in the tombs of uh, Egyptian pharaohs, and it was still edible. Now, I know you would say, I would not eat tomb that came out of a grave. But, but it, would, it had crystallized, but it was still perfectly edible. So this honey, who knows how long it had been in that tree. And it had lost a lot of its water, and it was so thick, and it was so rich. And I still remember tasting that honey and I remember how that was probably the best honey I've ever had in my entire life it was so rich and it was so sweet and it just lingered on my tongue after I got done with it and I told him I said I need a jar of that and he said it's my jar you can't have it and it was just so amazing and the writer of Proverbs pins these words my son, eat honey for it is good, and the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Then look at verse 14. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. Wisdom to our soul is just like that sweet, rich honey is to our mouths. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, there will be a future, and your hope will not be cut off. That wisdom is so sweet. That wisdom, it, you, you savor it. You love it. You take it in. You get nourishment from it. That's what wisdom is to our very soul. And then he says, if you get wisdom, you have a future. Worldly wisdom, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it's the way of death. That's where it leads. It leads to death. There is no future for worldly wisdom. It's the rulers of this age and the wisdom of this age which are doomed to pass away, according to Paul in, there in 1 Corinthians that we looked at earlier. But the wisdom that is from God is not only sweet in the here and now, it gives us an eternal, sweet, precious hope forever. That's why you can trust it. You can trust God's wisdom. Uh, Pastor Johnny made a statement on Friday night, and he said, if anybody ever asks him, how can I pray for you? He says, the first thing I ask is for wisdom. And, and some of you know for years now, if you've, if you've asked me, well, what, do you, what can we pray for you? The very first thing, wisdom. Pray that I will have wisdom. Why? Because it's sweet to your soul. Because you love wisdom. You love it. And it is to your soul the same thing that honey is to your mouth. And God's wisdom is eternally sweet but this worldly wisdom ultimately leads to bitter leads to bitterness and to death so there's a difference so trust godly wisdom because it goes on and on and on and on secondly earthly wisdom comes from observation god's wisdom is revealed so you must receive that godly wisdom from god look at verse 8 
Paul writes, none of the rulers of this age understood this. None of them understood godly wisdom. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. There's his proof. Had they had godly wisdom, they would not have crucified Jesus. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. It's God revealing that wisdom. That is the way we receive that. Worldly wisdom, earthly wisdom comes by observation. You see it, you hear it, you might taste it or touch it, and you say, okay, there it is. That's, that's what I'm basing my wisdom upon. It's like the, the empirical method that you find uh, in science. You, you go through the process of observation, and that's what you have to go by. God's wisdom is revealed. That's when we have to receive it. And so Paul writes, and Paul uses this phrase that we use so often, this verse, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. And so many times we take that verse and we use it only in reference to heaven. We say, oh, one day heaven's going to be so glorious we can't even imagine. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for those who love him. Oh, we just, we just can't wait. And, and heaven certainly falls into that category. But contextually, we have to understand it's not just that our eyes haven't seen, nor our ears heard, nor have entered into our hearts the things that God has prepared for us there. It hasn't, we have not seen, nor heard, nor has it entered into our hearts the things that God has prepared for us now, in the now, through His wisdom. Through His wisdom, there are unimaginable things that God wants to do, unimaginable things that we can see, unimaginable truths we can hear and receive, unimaginable things that are, we will be able to see God accomplish in our lives and in the, the lives of those around us by his power, by his word, by his spirit. Psalm 119, verse 98. This is the importance of God's word. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. Notice there's three groups of people, his enemies, his teachers, and the aged, or the aged. Those who are older. He says, I, I, I know more than all of them. Now that's not, he's not writing this out of arrogance. The, the psalmist is writing this because it's all based upon his word. Your commandment makes me wiser. I have more understanding for your testimonies or my meditation. I understand more than the aged for I keep your precepts. My mother's here this morning and uh, I remember uh, we were talking one time about age and wisdom. And I remember a, a truth that, that you gave me. Mama, Mama told me, she said, um, age is no guarantee of wisdom. I said, hmm. She said, because there's a lot of dumb old people. <laughs> that is wise. It's true. 
It's true. Listen, age is not a guarantee of wisdom. Age is an opportunity. You have more opportunities to gather wisdom as we get older, but age is no guarantee. Can I tell you what the guarantee is? The Word of God. The Word of God. You may may have a whole long list of titles after your name that you have gathered over many years through many classes, over many trips to many colleges. You, you may have business understanding that rivals the sharpest business minds in the world. You may have a political savvy that, that makes you the envy of everybody in, in every, every state house, in the White House, in every palace on the face of the earth. You may have the ability to wheel and deal, and, and you may have accumulated vast quantities of wealth in various forms just because of your, your street smarts and your understanding of the business world. You, you may write books. You may have every book you write may, be, may appear on the New York Times bestsellers list and stay there for months at a time. You may be able to design and assemble and disassemble and reassemble some of the most complex machines known to humanity. And you may be able to do all of that all together cumulative, cumulatively And you may end up being 110 years old and you may retain all of that knowledge and all that wisdom with all of your sharpness. And can I tell you, if you're not living according to the word of God, you're living a foolish life. It's not a life of wisdom. Not even with all of that. You have to depend upon God's word. God's word is how we get wisdom. And we get God's word through, by reading God's word, by studying God's word, by meditating on God's word. And then God's spirit empowers us to understand his word. And it has to be revealed to us. It has to be given to us so we can receive it. And so that's why we pray. It's one of the reasons we pray. It's one of the reasons I say pray for wisdom. Listen to what Paul writes to the church at Ephesus in his opening to the church, uh, the letter to the Ephesians. He writes that he prays, verse 17 of Ephesians 1, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of the revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Paul prays that, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit gives you understanding and wisdom so that you will know the glorious blessings that you've been given. And James, in James chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. If you go before God and you say, God, I'm praying for wisdom, God doesn't say, what do you want wisdom for? Why would you want, why are you coming and asking for wisdom again? No, he gives generously and without reproach. He gives wisdom. You find in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, Paul writes that in Jesus, that is the whom there in Colossians 2, 3, in whom, that's Jesus, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You want to gain wisdom? Get in God's word. You get in God's word, you know who you get to know? Jesus. You know in whom is hidden all of wisdom and all the knowledge that we need? In Jesus. How do we know about him? God's word. So we go to God's word and we receive the wisdom that is from God. And not only that, we depend upon the Holy Spirit who is within us who is from God, and then we understand the person of Jesus. And he himself, he himself is the wisdom of God. 
And then we find that throughout the church, Ephesians 3.10. So that the church, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. When we as a church and, and the church as a whole, all the believers for all time, as we live in godly wisdom, and as we live out the commands of Christ, as we live out this empowerment by God's Holy Spirit within us, we are a testimony to the wisdom of God. Listen to whom? So it might be known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So we are giving evidence, we ourselves, we are giving proof of the wisdom of God to all of the angelic spiritual realm. You think about that? Angels watching the wisdom of God working out in the church and saying, look at that. Well, we're going to give God, we're going to give you glory for that. Look at that. Look at this. Look at that wisdom. Look how that wisdom is. Look how this godly wisdom is being exercised in God's people. So whenever we seek earthly wisdom, we have to understand that only comes with observation. When we're seeking godly wisdom, we have to understand we receive it from God. And a final thing that Paul writes about is that earthly wisdom is natural, but godly wisdom is spiritual. So therefore, we have to live by faith. Look at verse 13. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but he himself to be judged by, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understand the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now, verses 15 through 16, sometimes we, we can get caught up in that and say, what is he talking about there? He's talking about that someone who is living by God's spirit cannot be judged by an earthly standard for that spiritual truth because it is a spiritually discerned truth that's what he's talking about uh he doesn't mean he doesn't mean that if you're spiritual that means you get to go do whatever you want and you know highway patrolman pulls you over and you say well you can't judge me i'm spiritual well i mean you know but you're physically speeding all right so that's a there's a problem there so you cannot just depend upon uh, we can't depend upon just human reasoning to understand what's going on in someone's life, spiritual. Because earthly wisdom is natural, God's wisdom is spiritual. So we find that God's wisdom works in a spiritual way. Earlier on in, this, in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul writes this. This is in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 17. He writes, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. He's saying, I came to preach the gospel, and I did not to come to preach it in a persuasive way according to humans. Because he said, if I did that, it would have emptied the cross of its power. Now, we don't normally think of it that way. We think, yeah, 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 the, the, the cross of Christ, the message of the gospel has power, but maybe I need to help it a little bit. If I'm just louder, or if I'm just more passionate, or if I'm just more, <coughs> excuse me, persuasive, then maybe there'll be a reaction. Maybe 
there'll be a response. Paul says, if I start trying to help the gospel, I'm actually stripping it of its power. We have to be able to say, this is the gospel of Christ. Thus saith God. And then God does the work. There have been times that I've preached sermons before. And, and I'll preach a sermon and, and I'll, I'll think, well, surely, surely somebody's going to be like, yes. You know, I mean, I mean well, the altar's going to be full. It's going to be, oh, wow. And nothing happens. And then there'll be times I'm, I'm doing one of those sermons. And, and like you, sometimes I'm like, I wish I was done. You know, sometimes... I know sometimes people are like, I wish you'd hurry up. Sometimes I wish I would hurry up. And, um, and then I'll get done and I'll think, my goodness, wow, that, was a, that, was a, that felt like a slow motion train wreck. And, I'll, and then somebody will come forward and they'll say, I'm coming forward. I want to be saved. And I, was just, I just want to say, are you sure? I mean, did you hear? <laughs> you know, but it's a work of God. It's God's work. It's God's spirit. It's God's word. It's God who gets all the credit. And so we find that Paul says, listen, when it comes right down to it, this earthly wisdom, we can't depend upon earthly wisdom to create a heavenly change. It doesn't work that way. The best of human thinking, the best of human wisdom, the best of human intelligence will not build the kingdom of God. It must be spiritual. It must be rooted in the spiritual. Over, I mentioned 1 Corinthians 1.17, a little further on in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Listen to what Paul writes. For consider your calling. Now he's writing to the church at Corinth. Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. He says he does it so that he gets all the credit. Well, how did that person get saved? That person got saved, and they, they, they don't know much of anything. Well, that's right, because it's based on a spiritual wisdom. Oh, that person didn't have a lot of belongings. That's right, because it's not based upon worldly belongings. Well, that person didn't have this or that or the other. Didn't have the, the name, didn't have the noble name, wasn't of, wasn't of a, an important family. They were just a nobody. And God says, I picked the nobodies to bring to nothing the stuff that was so that I could make something out of nothing, which, by the way, is exactly what he did at creation when he spoke to nothingness and it was. And so we find that God does the same thing again, spiritually speaking. God says, I'm going to bring you out of the grave. I'm going to bring you from spiritual death to spiritual life by my word. And so we understand that it's God's wisdom. And so therefore we find verse 30 of 1 Corinthians 1, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. Did you see? And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. Not because of this, not because of that, not because I got it figured out, not because I had all of this, not because God thought my kingdom will be richer if you are in my kingdom and boy, there will be some things that now we can do that I haven't been able to do because I've been without you. No, because of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption 
So that is, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. If we're going to brag about anything, we need to be bragging about Jesus. Because it's his wisdom, not our wisdom. Salvation was not our idea. It wasn't a human idea. No one sat around and dreamt that up. No one sat around and wrote that up. There wasn't some creative writing team that got together and said, how can we piece all this together? No, it's God's idea. It's God's wisdom. It's God's plan. It's God's purpose. It's God's salvation that he imparts to us. And his wisdom is the same. We must receive it from him. Listen to the words of Jesus. John chapter 6, verse 63. Jesus said, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The flesh is no help at all. We have a problem. All of us, each one of us, came into the world with a problem. The problem is that we're separated from God. That's our first problem. That's the major problem. The second problem is related to the first problem. The second problem is we ourselves can't do anything about it. The flesh is of no help. Our earthly abilities, our earthly power, no help. We can't do anything to extricate ourselves from that situation. There's nothing that we can do to bridge the gap between us and God. It's impossible. Yet God provides a means. God provides a way. God sent Jesus. Perfect life. Perfect, absolute perfect life. Perfectly righteous. Lived a perfect life, fully human, fully God at the same time. And then died a death on the cross. A cross that we deserve because of our sins. The sins that have separated us from God, we will face without Christ, we face eternal punishment in a very real hell separated from God for all eternity because of our sins. But yet Christ came and Christ took our place. In God's wisdom, Christ took our place. And so then Jesus can say, it's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The words of God that you have heard today, they are spiritually discerned and they are life-giving. If you trust them, if you live by them, if you receive them in faith, receive them from God in faith and recognize that you can trust his word always. And maybe you've never done that this morning. Maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching, maybe you're listening, and you would say, I have never done that. I have never made a decision to follow Christ and place my full trust and hope upon him and him alone. Can I just tell you this? Don't depend upon your human wisdom. Don't depend upon earthly wisdom. Don't depend upon the best practices you may be able to think up, dream up, and cook up. You have to depend upon the revealed word of God. We're sinners in need of a Savior. That's what God's Word says. He died in our place. That's what His Word says. And if we trust that sacrifice was sufficient, and it was, and if we turn from our sin and self and turn toward Him alone and surrender our lives to Him, ask for forgiveness and surrender our lives to Him, then we will be saved. That's what He promises. That's what He says. If you've never trusted Him, will you trust Him today? If you've already if you're already in a love relationship with Jesus, if you're already following him, if you're already, you're already a Christian, would you, just, would you just ask him today, God, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom so I will know how to live my life in a way that best, most clearly reflects Jesus to the world around me so that that wisdom will be sweet to my soul.
just like honey. Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you. God, we give you thanks for your word. It is so sweet. We give you thanks that as we look at your word, we are again reminded of the words of Jesus, that the words that he has spoken are life, they're truth, they're spirit. So Father, I pray that we might depend upon your word to grant us your wisdom so that we can live the lives that you have given us, the lives that you own, we would live them for you. The only way that we can live our lives in a wise way is if our lives are fully surrendered to you. And the only one who truly knows how to spend our lives wisely is you. And since when we become followers of Christ, we surrender our lives to you and you own us. And Father, we must ask you to give us that wisdom from your word, by your spirit, so that we will know how to live our lives in a way that reflects your wisdom, that is they're full of your wisdom. Father, I pray that you would grant us wisdom as a church, as a people. Grant us your wisdom. Give us understanding. Give us insight into your word. And may it be sweet to our souls. Father, I pray for anybody this morning, whether here, watching, listening now or later, that might have never made a decision to follow Christ. I pray today would be the day that they would say yes to Jesus. Father, I pray if there's anybody that that needs to say yes to baptism, today would be the day they would say, I want to be baptized. I want to follow Christ in obedience. And Father, if there's anyone here today who's wrestling with knowing which way to go, knowing what to do, knowing what you're leading them toward, Father, I pray that they might cry out to, to you for wisdom and that you might give it to them. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.